back in action. Another episode of Small Business Dads. Daniel Monday with you again for another week. Thank you for tuning in again. Cool little chat to share with you today with Jonathan McClernon from Freedom is it, um, Freedom Nutrition. And it's interesting conversation because he's a brain-driven weight loss coach and from someone, not just someone who's preaching from a high horse, he's actually someone that's lost 100 pounds. So he's Canadian, so we'll give him that. But um, really interesting backstory. He's also got a nice little Aussie link too, so we'll explore that. I think you'll enjoy this little chat today. Jonathan, welcome along to Small Business Dads. It's nice to have someone, another international guest. Hey, thanks for having me. It's it's, uh, very refreshing to hear an Aussie accent again because I am married to an Australian from, uh, from Geelong, actually. So... Well, that's was always bonus points to get you on anyway. So that's where we explore that down the track, I'm sure, as we get into the chat. But um, yeah, I'd be keen to hear about your experiences here. But before we get into all that and everything that you do nowadays, which sounds pretty interesting, you've got a pretty good backstory too. Tell us a bit more yeah. about you. Yeah. So I run an online nutrition coaching business called Freedom Nutrition Coaching. And really, it was kind of born of this, this idea... Um, I had a client come to me and say, I don't, I don't want to live in nutrition prison anymore. Kind of this idea that like always having to restrict and always having to be trapped in this mentality of like, uh, you know, can't eat this, can't do this and so on. And, uh, so I wanted to kind of come up with an idea or a concept that, that looked at it differently. And it's also kind of born of my own struggles and experience. So like I, I went through trauma like 10 years ago and, uh, I, I became a binge eating food addict and that was how I kind of dealt with my trauma was food is my medication. And so I'd kind of been through the whole, the mill of like trying to lose weight and the struggle and, yep. and all of this. And so, uh, it really, it really kind of resonated with me. So we kind of, you know, started with this, this hashtag, no effing diets because FN is the company. Yeah, it was just kind of a cheeky, uh, rejection, I guess, of this idea that you can get, you know, permanent results from a temporary effort. And, uh, it's really kind of blossomed from, from there. And so, uh, yeah, I live in, uh, for those, um, I live in Alberta, Canada. So we're on the east side of the Rocky Mountains. So when you see tourist brochure pictures of Canada, you'll see these uh, teal-colored um, lakes set in the mountains. Yes, I live about look two pretty hours. nice. Yeah, I live about two hours from uh, from where those are, lo- are located. So it's it's pretty close to our backyard in Canada. We're used to driving long distance. So like two hours is nothing. We'll just drive to the mountains, you know. Well, I haven't been to the west coast of Canada, but the east coast, I can say, is definitely nice. It's a nice part of the world, so I'm sure that's just as nice over yeah, where yeah. you are. It'll be uh, maybe one day when the world opens up again, they could put it on the bucket list. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm keen to get back to Australia. Uh, I'm like, keen to get back to Australia, mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's explore that option. How did you end up um, How did you end up meeting an Aussie to start with, and what led you down here for the time you spent living here? Yeah, so it was it was a bit of a random thing. Uh, we were going back twenty years, uh, well, eighteen, I guess. Um, um, but um, my wife, or she wasn't my wife. I didn't even know she existed at this point in time. Uh, she met a couple of friends of mine who lived in Vancouver, and I lived on Vancouver Island, um, which is just off the coast of Vancouver. And they said, "Oh, you should come to the island." And Victoria is the main city there. And they called me up and were like, hey, uh, you want to show this cute Aussie girl around? We're kind of busy. And I was like, yeah, of course I do. So I, <laughs> you know, so I blew off university and spent two days hanging out with this girl, um, showing her around Victoria, uh, the city of Victoria here in BC. I mean, I should clarify yeah, for yeah, you Aussie nah. listeners. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought I was never going to see her again, though. Um, but she had just, when we dropped her off at the ferry terminal to go back to Vancouver and, and carry on with her travels, she handed me a note. It said, a gum tree note from Michelle. And it had her, her her hotmail address on there. 
And uh, so we started corresponding by email. And then it just kind of blossomed from there over a period of a little over two years um, to the point where we're talking on the phone every day. And uh, I can back then. Oh, man, phone cards. And, and, <laughs> exactly. and uh, yeah, Skype was just starting up, but uh, we'd go to like 7 Eleven and get phone cards and you calculate the like the connection fee versus the no connection fee. And, yep. you know, if we're going to talk for, you know, 10 minutes or an hour. <laughs> and uh, I was also juggling like going to university, I was studying chemistry and marketing. But, anyways, uh, so she came back to Canada and uh, we met at the airport and kissed there. And that was, you know, we were off to the races. Game over. <laughs> Yeah, four four months later we were engaged. Uh, wow. She flew back, and then I flew flew over to to Geelong, and uh, we got married over there and lived over there till uh, early two thousand seven when we came back to Canada for me to rejoin the Navy. Nice. So let's just briefly touch on your time here. Obviously, we're a bit yeah. partial uh, to our yeah. opinion, but <laughs> yeah. as an outsider looking in at the time, what did you think about you know coming here with all the weird accents and all that sort of stuff? And oh, I guess know, Canada. Probably not as bad as an American coming over, but no, nah, you know, I, I, I mean, I loved it. Um, the, my first time over, so I flew, I flew via Singapore, and I remember getting off the airport in Singapore. This is a bit of di- side note, and the airport's beautifully air conditioned. And I walked out of the airport, and the wall of steam—it felt like a wall of steam hit me. It was so humid, no. and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what am I getting into?" You know. But thankfully, down in Geelong, you know, it's it's actually a pretty temperate climate. And I flew over in in March, so it was like just a really good time of year. Um, I loved uh, I loved the Great Ocean Road, driving up and down that, um, going surfing. I met Kelly Slater um, nice. at Bell's at Bell's Beach there, the Rip Curl Pro. Uh, I didn't know a lot about surfing, but there was this bald guy, and I was like, man, I should get a picture with a surfer. So he just came out of the water, and I was like, hey, man, can I get a photo? And all of a sudden, like all these other people, did, you know, but I got a selfie with Kelly Slater not knowing who this guy was. <laughs> He's like an eight-time or ten-time world champion or something, you know. And uh, so and it didn't take too long to get used to driving on the other side of the road either, but – I love I love meat pies. I gotta say, uh, you know, and and hitting the old tuck shop there. Uh, nice. It's, it's it's it was a pretty good time. Um, and Geelong's a really beautiful city, actually. Very nice. Well, mate, let's go on now <clears throat> to the family side of things. You're a new dad, or relative new dad. Tell us about yeah. that and how that experience has treated you. Well, you know, um, from uh, for the first pregnancy because we only got one kid and he's six months old now uh first pregnancy uh, maybe i don't know if other guys experienced it but it's kind of nerve-wracking um just the idea yep. that there's not a, not a lot that i can control yep. and i remember about eight weeks into it and my wife started getting like these really severe pains and i just remember like freaking out being like no 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 like you know hoping not to have a miscarriage or something <clears throat> i guess there is a point in time where i, I don't know you, you get these kinds of pains you just don't know right um, so the first three months were like nerve wracking and I was just like doing everything I could to try and make sure she's comfortable and like, you know, got into like super protective mode. Um, you know, anytime she left and like, you know, just text me every five minutes, <laughs> let me know you're, you know, it was okay. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was like, anytime she was gone, I was worried about her. Um, I really loved like the second and third trimester. Like I talked, we called our, our baby bean and we didn't learn what it was, uh, what his gender was until he was born. But um, I loved like talking and singing to him and things like that and feeling him kick. And he was a super active like kid in the womb. Um, like he, he, and he's a party animal at night. And in the womb, he would party at like three o'clock in the morning. And guess what? He parties at three o'clock in the morning. Lucky like, you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a, he, he like kicks and kicks and kicks. His legs go nonstop. Um, you know, uh, going through birth, like, man, my respect for mothers and motherhood, it's just like gone like through oh, the roof. It's amazing, isn't it? It's... Oh, yeah. Um, 
again, it's really nerve wracking in one sense because there's nothing you can really do. Like, I, um, yep. you know, we, we went through a hypnobirthing class and like we, we talked everything through and, and, and so on. And my wife is just a trooper. She did it without an epidural. Oh man. And, uh, when, when it came time, like she said, if I touched her back, it felt like I put a ton of bricks on her back. So I couldn't even touch her. And uh, so all I could do was like verbally cheer her on. And it was like an 18 hour labor. Like it was, wow. yeah. So, but at the end of it, when you, you know, when you hold, hold him for the first time, yeah, he just looks amazing. up at me and like, yeah. you know, I just felt like something inside me, like change, like this little life is mine to protect and care for. And it was just like, I, I just felt like something physically changed inside me. And I didn't know, like I had that much love in my heart for another human being, but it, yeah, man, it's incredible. It's pretty hard to describe, isn't it? That first time you hold a kid and <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's like, you know, they grow up fast. That's for sure. It's a stereotype, oh. but it's true. It's well, uh, I know six... the, uh, the early nights and uh, yeah, sleepless nights aren't fun, but you make most of it while uh, you can. Yeah. I was going to say at six months, he's at a really, really cute age and I'm, I'm biased like every dad is like the cutest boy in the world. Um, but cause he, he's super active. He's always making like, like motor noises, like blown raspberries or whatever, like, and he's trying so hard to crawl. Um, he's not, he's not a snuggler, never has been. He's more of a wrestler, like a struggler. Um, but, but he's really, really like cheerful and good natured and my wife can get him giggling. And, uh, I'm, I'm just like, as soon as he starts giggling, I'm done. I'm like, I'm trying to work yeah. up here and all I want to do is like <laughs> be up there. Okay. Cause I work from home. <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, let's go down that path now. Tell us about what you do a bit more. And I know you mentioned a little bit about your backstory, but tell us how that, uh, helped, um, a little bit further, maybe develop into a business. Um, once you've worked out that you don't have to diet and, yeah, to get some yeah. results. So I think um, was it a hundred pounds you lost? So basically, yes, almost fifty yeah. kilos. It is. So that's yeah, pretty amazing. 40, Forty-five. Say, yeah, yeah. Well, um, and people ask like, how long did it take to lose that? And I say, look, it took about six years. And then why did it take so long? It's because I didn't know what I know now. That's why. Um, because ultimately, what, what it boils down to is, is I really hadn't healed my relationship with myself which sounds like a really, you know, men don't talk about this sort of stuff a lot, right? Nah. Like emotions and relationship with self and self-compassion and stuff like that. And I was exactly that. I was a motorcycle racing, powerlifting, pre-workout snorting, you know, uh, former Navy, like just hyper-masculine kind of guy. And, you know, bury the emotions and stuff like that. And so I buried them in food. And whenever I diet, I'd lose the weight. But the thing is, food was a tool for me. Food was how I medicated my trauma and my difficult relationship with myself. And so you can only cut that off for so long before the brain starts screaming for it again. And so really it wasn't until I, until I started to address, I worked with a coach, a male coach, uh, um, who helped me to address my relationship with myself. And I was like, it, that like shifted everything. When I realized that like, I don't have to be a martyr. I don't have to set myself on fire to keep others warm. And so I started making myself a priority, taking time for myself and not feeling guilty about it. And, um, you know, because the fundamental behaviors really, they're not that complicated. They're, they're not easy, but they're not that complicated. It's like, you know, eat mostly veg, lean protein, quality carbohydrates, skip most of the junk, get good sleep, manage your stress, stay hydrated and stay active. Like that's a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. It's how the heck do you make it work? And so I had to try to figure out how to make it work for, because I used to run a bricks and mortar supplement store. That business failed and cost me over a hundred grand. And uh, that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't a lot Lesson. of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the failure of that business it's funny when you have nothing left to lose because you know the failure kind of hit me hard but it wasn't totally out of the blue like i realized i was in business with a fraud basically a liar and and the accountant was in on it and stuff like that it's you know we don't have to go into the details of that but basically nah. 
when I walked out the door after the bailiff put the lock on the door, because he wasn't paying rent and I don't know where that money went, um, I no longer had anything to lose. I was hanging on to that business to, you know, because I was trying to get something out of it that I'd invest in it. But when, when I had nothing left to lose, I was now free to do what it was that I felt like I really, like I really wanted to do. And that was this nutrition coaching thing. Um, cause I'd kind of been doing it as a side thing while, while running the store and now I could do it full time. Well, I guess, uh, it had, I don't know, did that help you with like with clients initially maybe, or yes, because obviously uh, people are going in there with a fitness mindset, um, you know, looking for yeah. supplements to improve their, you know, their yeah. training, their, their lifestyle, well, totally. what have you. Uh, like the one thing I can say is while, while I lost everything in one sense, I didn't lose my audience and community. Um, so I wasn't starting from zero awareness of what I do. I'd already built up a reputation in the community as a trustworthy, knowledgeable guy. Um, I, I, at that point had like 155 star reviews on our Facebook page and like, um, I think close to a hundred five star reviews on Google. So I had a really good reputation that I could take with me. Mm. Um, but there was a real shift because the supplement industry is still very largely, at least the sports supplement industry is very largely geared towards the bodybuilding industry. There's a sub segment, you know, geared towards CrossFitters, but, um, when you get into like the weight loss side of things, that, that's when you get into like the really sort of murky area of the supplement industry. You get into like the MLMs and stuff like that. So, yep. um, but what I would say is I, I didn't I didn't have to in a sense start from zero, but I kind of did because I, I didn't know how to run an online business or build an online business. You know, I kind of <laughs> learned from the ground up because I didn't have people walking through my door anymore. And what did you do to make it a success? Well, it's always going to be a work in progress, but uh, I would say looking back, there's kind of four parts to building a business. Um, and it's like building a house. There's a foundation. So getting clear, figuring out who you, who you're helping, who you serve and why is really, really important. Like, um, that's the foundation. Like what is the problem you solve, right? Cause businesses exist to solve a problem. Exactly. That's an exchange of value. Um, then there's the framing, like the framework. And that is what I call like for an online business, the digital infrastructure. So, you know, maybe I have my promise. I will help you like lose weight. I express it a little bit differently, but you know, that's the promise. How do I deliver on the back end of that? So what does my digital infrastructure look like? You know, and then there's the, uh, like what I'd call like the finishing touches, you know, your flooring, your paint, all that kind of stuff in a house. Well, that's kind of like the client experience. So what does it look like when someone comes into contact with my business, goes through it, experiences it, comes out the other side, you know, going from like awareness to revenue, retention, referrals, that kind of thing. And then ultimately there's the housewarming party and that is making people aware of what you do. And at first it was really hard to talk about what I do, but I had, so I had to address my own relationship with money and my own relationship with sales. You know, it seemed like I had no issue selling when I was in the supplement store, but when it came to selling myself, um, I found it a little bit more challenging to do. So getting comfortable um, telling my story, because I thought if people found out that I'm not a fitness model, that they wouldn't take me seriously in the weight loss industry. I was used to the Instagram, you know, Insta model type thing. You're and more believable, but. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the crazy thing. Yeah. I thought, I was worried that people were going to like reject me and the exact opposite happened. They go, oh my gosh, like you're a real human. You get it. Yeah. Like, Hey man, I was a morbidly obese. I have loose skin. I got flat, you know, yeah. like, you know, you're not going to see me strutting around with my shirt off, flexing my abs. So well, I can say you know, for 21 years in the fitness industry myself, that there's a lot of pretenders Yeah. and there's a lot of fake people and a lot of people that have no life experience that try and tell everyone else what to do. And yeah. they think, oh, it's easy for me. So it's easy for you. But so you know, for someone like yourself with your experience and your you know, your lived experience, I think that yeah. it helps build a report because, you, like you said, you know where someone's at. 
Yeah. There's something that you can't like read a book about this, but, and it's so interesting what you mentioned there, because if you went back to when I was in my twenties and an athlete, like I thought people were just lazy and undisciplined mm. because it really wasn't that hard for, I was naturally fairly lean and I was athletic and I played basketball regularly, competitively, you know, so that was just my life. You take all that stuff away and go through trauma and <laughs> become obese and all that kind of stuff. Like all of a sudden they have a whole different perspective on all of it. And so, yeah. and then now throw like fatherhood into the mix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so how do you, how do you combine the two? Like I know that you work from home, but like, yeah. so do you build in breaks to spend with the little fella yes. or yeah. tell us about that. So I, I'm pretty big on time management because I say like it's scheduling breeds freedom. So if I manage my time, um, then I don't have to, when I'm with my son, I'm with my son because it's, it's on the schedule. I don't have to worry about anything else. The other things, they're on the schedule. And so while you look at my schedule and it looks like, wow, man, you've planned out just about every minute, every day, in a sense I have, but that gives me freedom to mm. whatever I'm doing just to put my attention to that one task I'm working on. So that's a, that's a huge one for me. Um, we have morning snuggle time. So every morning, like uh, my son sleeps in the bassinet by the bed. We, we don't have him in our bed overnight. Um, bring him into the bed. We, we snuggle together, snuggle with him, make him feel loved, you know, tickle him, that kind of thing. Um, I'll change his first morning diaper, um, you know, have a little bit of interaction with him there. I'll make my wife uh, usually oatmeal for breakfast, oatmeal with peanut butter and bananas. That's her thing. Um, and make sure that, you know, her heat bag is warmed up for her back. She's got a water bottle full, all that kind of stuff. So I make sure that they're all taken care of. The next thing I do... Um, is I'll come, I'll come downstairs and I'll jump on my recumbent bike and I go for 10 minutes hard. Um, why? Because I'm kind of working on my conditioning right now because I see how much my kids' legs move. <laughs> and I'm like, I yeah, have to get my kids. with him soon. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm, the house. <laughs> yeah. And then actually I do something a little bit nuts. I, have, I go and have a 10-minute cold shower. And it's part of my, I call it my resilience training. It's making myself willing to be uncomfortable. Um, and, it's, you know, it started with like one or two minutes and now I'm up to 10 minutes in, in there. Uh, it's also a great way to wake up actually. Um, that would wake you up. That's, I've done cryotherapy, but I haven't done the cold showers. Yeah. So for me, it's really about being comfortable, being uncomfortable because you know, being in business is uncomfortable. Like yeah. it's never really stable. And, and so just developing that resilience. So I, it, it kind of before the day, the work day has started for me. Um, I've really invested in myself and my family first. Cause I think that order matters. Because I would, I would be a workaholic otherwise. I could just mm -hmm. come down and dive into business right away. The hard part about an online business is there's the potential to always be doing something like yeah. 24 hours a day. And a really great book for me to read was called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Um, he also wrote the book Deep Work. But this one really helped me to understand because social media can really suck you in and vacuum yep. up your time. And that helped me just to kind of understand what's happening in the brain and how to really manage that better. So, and then throughout the day, I build in what I call baby breaks, whether it's to go and snuggle with them, play with them, hold them, uh, that kind of thing to try and give my wife a break. Um, things don't always go according to plan, of course. Never but does. By, That's a lot. Yeah, no, okay. Yeah, okay. It never does. Let's be real. Um, but we try and fit in an afternoon walk when we can, take them out in the pram. Or she calls it a pram. I call it a stroller. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah. And sometimes I'll do some work in the evening because uh, I'm doing nutrition coaching and sometimes I do client calls in the evening. So um, it does give me that little bit of flexibility to kind of take the afternoon off, um, go and spend time with them where, when I can. Uh, so yeah, scheduling is at the heart of it all. Nice. Well, that's, that's probably a good tip no matter what business you're in as well. Cause you know, as you know, that 
when you want to be a dad that's involved with your kids, like you've got to, there's some sacrifices you have to make. And like I said, otherwise it's just easy to always be a workaholic. But, you know, there's yeah. a, there's a recurring theme that, you know, that I've learned from having a, a chat with 60 odd blokes over the last yeah. <laughs> or 18 months or so is that a lot of times you don't realize what you're missing out on. Um, yeah. Because you're too focused about, you know, you think you got to put food on the table and you got to do this and you got to do that, but there's other more important things as well. well of course, you got to pay bills. Everyone's got to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But, well, but your kids grow fast. Oh man, I just keep seeing my wife like, like, and every time I see him, all I want to do is hold him and kiss him and tell him I love him. I didn't realize how many times I'd kiss my son a day, like probably like 500 times a day, you know. But I, I don't think you can really over love a kid in a sense. You know, and he's now at the stage where he can he can sort of roll around and play a little bit on the floor by himself. He doesn't need us like all the time. But um, I really also want to be present with him and not with my phone. Yeah. Um, so I try to leave my phone. Um, I just want to take a thousand pictures of him a day too. But, you know, um, glad to the new dad thing, man. I just adore him. But really want to be present with him without the distraction. And uh, yeah, my wife and I, we just talk about this. Like he's he's growing fast, like in six months. Wow. Um and so we're just, we're just, we know we can't hold on to the stage. So we're just trying to enjoy every moment of it. And so I try to make sure that like four or five times a day, I'll come up, I'll change a diaper, you know? Um, and I, I used to, I'd never changed a diaper until I had a kid. Now it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, after yeah. you change 500, whatever, you know, you just kind of do it, but it's a chance for me to interact with him. And we used to joke that, you know, she handles the input, I handle the output, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, now to be fair, like she changes more diapers than I do. Cause obviously I do have to work and run my yep. business. I can't, you know, um, but I, I also like, I have the flexibility of kind of building my own schedule. So that is in my favor. Um, but it does mean that sometimes I have some long work days cause, uh, maybe I had to take an extra hour with my, my kid or something to spell my wife off. So. Nice. Well, let's focus back on the business. There's a, a question that's a bit of a gray area at the moment in the fitness industry as you're probably well aware and about all the body positivity you know and all that sort of movement that's going on so how do you deal with that as someone that specializes in helping people lose weight um have you had resistance with that or have you had to change your approach over the years or you know i don't have a lot of haters which i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing um (laughs) Maybe it's because I'm a relative unknown. I mean, like I have, I combined, I think my audience doesn't even number 10,000 like across all platforms. So I say I'm, I'm a relatively small audience. I have had some pushback from the body positivity and HAES movement, health at every size movement, because like you're not truly anti-diet. But, you know, what I'd say to people is, look, weight loss is a doorway. It's not a destination, Right. And I was morbidly obese and I, you know what, trying to cut my toenails, trying to put on socks, trying to tie my shoes, trying to wipe my butt, trying to go upstairs, trying to sit in an airplane seat, you know, all these things were harder because the extra weight I was carrying. And so I think these movements have merit in that it's like, okay, we shouldn't necessarily be trying to exclude or create character judgments around people for their size, but we also do a disservice when we fail to acknowledge that it's not healthy to be obese and being obese brings greater health conditions. And I, you know, I saw a meme the other day and I don't know if there's a hot button topic or something, but, um, you know, it was like people, you know, trust the science and then someone says, okay, science tells us that being obese increases your risk of COVID and more severe COVID. And then it's like you, you bigoted fat phobe or something like that, you know? And, and so it's like, I think within that movement, there's been a bit of an infantilization of it and, Maybe it shouldn't necessarily always be about body positivity, but body neutrality is another term that's coming up now, 
where, because I had to learn to love my body, um, yep. all, all of its lumps, bumps, and imperfections and things like that. I used to be very angry at it. I used to spite it. You know, I, I like spite eat is, you know, something I would do. So um, I really try to put it in perspective and say like, look, if you're genuinely happy where you're at, okay, cool. You don't have to change. Yep. I played the jolly fat guy because I felt hopeless. Like I thought I'd never be able to lose the weight. But I didn't actually love being the jolly fat guy. Yeah. And so it's be honest with yourself and be willing to sit with the the very genuine, uncomfortable reality that's staring you in the face. Like when I was morbidly obese, that's uncomfortable. Um, and so I had to get honest with myself and say, here's the things that I'm doing that have led me to being here. And if I want this to change, like something has to change with how I'm living. Nice. Well, I think it's also, we're just offering people a choice, aren't we? It's like, we're not yeah. saying, we're not holding a gun to your head and saying, yeah, you got to lose no. weight or I'm going to pull, going to pull the trigger. It's yeah. there for people that want uh, that exact situation that you were in and, 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 and whether it's, they've had a kick up the ass because they've had a family member come down with yeah. some, you know, um, lifestyle issue or whatever. And, you know, I think the whole thing that got me running my business was because my dad died of a heart attack. He was 53. Yeah. And I, you know, I was in the fitness industry at the time, but you know, like yeah. everyone in um, in their twenties, I was just mucking around and didn't really take it too serious. But that's a good little thing yeah. that I knew where my wife would head if I didn't pull my finger out, so to speak. Yeah. But you know, I, so especially now as a dad, I want to see my kids grow up. I don't, you know, that, like, yeah. that's ten years time for me. I don't want to be dead when my kids are only teenagers. <laughs> no kidding. And, and I love what you said there. We're just offering people a choice. It's you know. Um, I think I felt a lot of judgment from the fitness industry because I didn't look like the usual fitness model kind of thing, but really it was my own insecurities and I was projecting them. Mm. Most times they just got their head down, they're working hard, you know, and they're just doing their thing. They don't even care. And, and so a lot of the judgment that I thought I was receiving was really just me and my own insecurities being projected. Now, but I can totally agree with that. You know, or the days of me having the rip six pack aren't there either now. Cause you know, as a dad that sometimes your kids drop into the drink and uh, I like a glass yeah. of wine too much. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and I figure uh, for me to live that lifestyle and be absolutely ripped into all that, uh, I'd be miserable. And for me, yeah. I want to be able to have that happy medium where I love exercising. It makes me feel Bingo. better. I love helping people exercise and but the thing I think that my clients like too, and like you've and like you've probably found, is that people want someone who's relatable and that yep. understands them and doesn't expect them, you know, to lecture them and to live like a nun, you know, and eat like yeah. tuna and lettuce all the time and uh, yeah, and, right, and, and, you yeah, know, and drink a sparkling water for something fancy. Well, you kind of you kind of pick your trade offs, right? So I can run up and down the stairs, I can get it down the floor and play with my kid and get up again. Yeah. Um, and that's what I want to be able to do. And right now, like I said, I'm working on my conditioning because I hated cardio, but I'm working on my conditioning because I can see the way that this kid's legs go. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to be running <laughs> after this kid. Um, and, and, you know, I'll throw something else out there. Like I, I've just recently kind of started pushing myself again a little bit nutritionally, um, pushing myself into the uncomfortable area. It, it goes along with this whole, you know, doing a 10 minute cold shower. Uh, I do 10 minutes of meditation so that I'm alone with my thoughts without technology. Um, I'm fasting once a day for, or sorry, once a week for 24 hours. Um, I'm going to cut out sugar for 30 days and make sure I do 10 minutes of 10 minutes of high intensity activity every day. So all of these are really me deciding to make myself a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not saying that sugar is the, you know, the devil incarnate or something like that, but it certainly isn't helping us. So I'm like, okay, well, cool. What happens if I cut that out for a month? Mm. Um, you know, what happens if, and so I kind of, 
you know, I think I'm through the most exhausted part of being a new dad. It's still tiring. He still wakes yeah. up a couple times a night. But now I'm getting that itch again to be challenged. So I'm like, I'm going to make myself uncomfortable and see what it feels like. And I feel a bit nervous talking about it because people go, well, doesn't that fly in the face of your no diet message? And I go, well, here's the thing. When I was going on a diet, it was I, I thought I was just going to temporarily suffer to lose the weight so I could go back to my old behaviors. This is me choosing to challenge myself and see what I'm able to do and be uncomfortable and see what things are still unresolved. Yeah. That's the cool thing about challenging yourself is you're going to find like old triggers and stuff yeah. and then you can work through them. So. No, I think that is pretty cool. And it also gives you another tool in your arsenal to be able to relate to someone. Now, if you do come across a client that wants to do something, whether it's like to go sugar-free or whatever, you can say, well, this is what my, my experiences were and so yeah. forth. I think it just it just, it just adds to your, uh, it adds to the repertoire, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, maybe lockdown helps out because we're not being as social. Um, so it's like, you know, I'm eating mostly at home. My freezer is well stocked with frozen veg. And so um, I'm also maybe throwing a little bit of CKD in there or a cyclical ketogenic diet. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hardcore keto advocate or anything like that. But the truth is because I've been obese, I store carbohydrates more easily as fat. And so yeah. I do better on a moderate to low carbohydrate intake. That's just a recognition of, and, and carbs are delicious. Make no mistake. Um, <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not cutting them out forever. But I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even cutting them out really. I'm just doing a bit of CKD with IF or cyclical ketogenic diet with intermittent fasting and a little bit of resilience training in here just to see, because my 40th birthday is around the corner. That's I guess that's the other thing is I'm, I'm going to be 40 soon. And uh, I'm like, okay, I want to I want to push myself because yeah. I don't want, I, I was just on a call with another coach. Um, he's 47 and he's in great shape and he doesn't look 47. And, uh, you know, he said every once in a while, he has to stop the thoughts in his head that you're 47. What are you doing? He's like, it's okay. I'm not old. Yeah. Like, and so it's really interesting to kind of have that mindset, you know, where he goes and he trains and whatever, and people see him training. And yeah, he's like, but he has to ward off the thoughts of you're 47. You shouldn't be doing this. And so I think maybe there's a bit of that in play for me here too, is that, hey, let's, let, let's push myself a little bit and see. Because it's like, if you want to succeed, even in business or, or life, like, those who are willing to be uncomfortable are the ones that are going to succeed. Yep. Um, mate, it's very true. Now, look, I'm conscious of the time and conscious that it's, you know, heading into nighttime and you want to probably spend some family time before you head to bed. So a couple yeah. more questions before we wrap it up. If someone is listening right now and you know, maybe there's a couple of things that you've said that's maybe, you know, struck a chord with them. Is there something that so maybe someone wants to lose a few kilos or, you know, or pounds in your instance, but yeah, you know, oh, we do both here. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what would you give as two cents for somewhere, uh, someone just to start something, like put them on the right path? Uh, I like to say that awareness is the first step to change. And what I mean by that is, it, so I would recommend that you start somehow monitoring your food intake. It doesn't have to be counting calories and weighing your food. It could be keeping a photo food diary, but some way where you, every time you go to eat, something triggers you to eat with conscious awareness. Um, mindless snacking is like a silent killer, you know, just, just mindlessly munching through a bag of chips, watching yep. Netflix or something like that. And so really become aware of your food intake and aware of your feelings and emotions around that. When, when you're bored and you want to eat, it's like, ask, what am I looking for this food to do? So just that, that whole awareness is the first step to change is really, um, a theme that runs through a lot of my coaching. Nice, mate. That's awesome. And yeah, you know, it's, it's obviously spot on for you and me to know that, but it's nice to reinforce and hear someone else say that. But um, yeah, yeah. there's a question that I'd like to ask to wrap up with before we do finish. It's obviously a hypothetical, but if you could go back to any point of your life, and maybe for you, it's um, this would be an interesting answer I'm keen to hear, but what would you tell your younger self? 
you're stronger than you think. Nice. So what I mean by that is not just about physical, but I struggle with like food addiction and food treating food as medication for a very long time because I was burying and hiding from all of these emotions. And I think there was this underlying fear that if I experienced these difficult emotions, that I wouldn't be able to handle it. And ultimately, when it came time to dealing with my trauma properly through therapy, um, I was able to handle it. It's not to say it was comfortable, but I was able to handle it. And maybe the other thing I would say is stop trying to be the Tin Man. My wife used to tease me and call me the Tin Man. And really what she was meaning is like, I hid a lot of my emotions and it's okay to have emotions. Like it doesn't actually weaken you as a man. It didn't weaken me as a man to have emotions. And so kind of the two are sort of closely tied together. It's like you can experience emotions and still be strong and you're strong enough to handle the difficult emotions. Very nice, mate. Well, that's pretty, so I think that's a nice way to wrap up on. And if someone is listening and does want to find out more about what you do, obviously working from home and being online, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Yeah, I've got some Aussie clients. So Nice. Where can we find you? Uh, freedomnutritioncoach.com is my website. Uh, I have a podcast called Wellness Unplugged. So you could just go to freedomnutrition.rocks slash wellnessunplugged. I call this one between the before and after. So it's really about like raw, unfiltered conversations with people who are going through or have gone through a transformation and about the stuff you don't see on social media. And uh, so probably those, those are the two things. I guess I do have a crush your cravings guide. It's about dealing with um, snacking and stuff like that. So you could go to freedomnutrition.rocks slash crush your cravings nice. and uh, drop your email and I'll fire you a copy of that as well. Too easy. We'll put the links in the show notes and on the website as well. But thank you for joining in, Jonathan. Appreciate your time. It's nice to talk with another international guest, even though, and it's good to see you've got an Aussie connection in there too. So you make the cut for small business dads. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that little chat and hope you were able to take something out of that. All the links are on the website, smallbusinessdads.com.au or in the show notes. If you know someone who make a, a great fit, send me an email, daniel at dpmtransformation.com. Love to have a chat and arrange a time to finish off season two of Small Business Dads. But until next time, thank you for spreading the word. Share it on your social. Share it with someone who you think may benefit from this episode, especially if they are struggling right now. Um especially with some of the issues that Jonathan addressed. Until next time, smallbusinessdads.com.au over and out.